0: all right well we made it we made it here uh welcome to the principal's desk podcast you're you're gonna notice right away that uh i sound a little under the weather here and um i am but uh, this is our first principal's desk podcast so I didn't want to I didn't want to reschedule I didn't want to miss it I was really excited for this but thank you for uh thank you for tuning in my name is David I am the founder of the principal's desk and I am thrilled to be here for episode one with Andrea Bittner and uh, um just uh, she was able to share with me just an amazing story uh that she has with uh uh a book she wrote called Take Me Home and uh, this work that she is uh, doing with EL families and communication. And so uh, Andrea, I'll just, I'll turn it over to you uh, while I rest my voice up a little bit and uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your book, Take Me Home.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And this is such a great opportunity to be here and I really appreciate it. And we are thrilled to be your first one, your first podcast. Yeah. I can't believe it. So oh, thank I'm you for having too. us. Yes. Yeah, so please. my name is Andrea Bittner, and I am an English language learner teacher, an author, uh, and a speaker slash presenter from Philadelphia, PA. Didn't start out that way. Spent about twenty-three out twenty-three wow years now in education, and uh, started out as a high school English teacher. Really quickly learned when I was hired over the weekend out of college and got my first job you know that my high school students couldn't read and it bothered me enough at the time and I got curious enough about the training behind it to go back to school. And so I became a reading specialist and went to school to become a reading specialist and then got really curious about working with English language learners as I was working in the middle school level in my part of my career as a reading specialist so started to have that opportunity to work with English language learners and spend some time working with their families and then moved back into the high school level of working exclusively with ELLs and went back to school and got trained in that. So I spent some time in training and learning and as kicking off my career. Oh. So here I am 15 years later exclusively in that support world and I'm enjoying every second of it. And um, about 10 years ago, I worked at the high school level and I had about 40 different students who were becoming bilingual with about 25 different languages and I had the opportunity to work with them every single day. Some of them were born here, some of them had crossed the border, some of them had waited for a visa for 10 years and came before their parents, some came after their parents, some were exchange students, some were adopted, so we had really a lot of different experiences of kids in our program. We had this great program and the mentality behind it was called What's Your Plan? And there was this huge banner in our classroom. And every day when the kids came in, they were greeted with this banner through their high school career. And what was on it were the signatures of alumni who had come before them and completed their high school graduation.
0: That's very and so cool. we really like that pushed lot our now. kids.
1: Yeah. We really pushed our kids to say, you know, your plan can't be A to go back to your country. And your plan can't be to not be successful here in this free education opportunity at our high school because your parents have worked really hard to give you this gift of being coming bilingual. And it's your job to do your part of the plan. And we're going to support you through that. And so from that, we had this special t-shirt day where our alumni would come back and they would meet with our kids once a year now that they were young bilingual professionals out in the world. And they were there to celebrate whether it was our seniors becoming entrepreneurs or military or college university or community college or business people or YouTubers, right? Whatever it is, they were headed towards next. Our alumni were there to say, congratulations, you've completed the time and your plan, let's sign the banner. And so they would get to sign that. And so as we worked with all these families, I had one particular family, the Lopez, and I worked with all seven of their children and there were all boys and one girl. And they happened to be kids that had crossed the border from El Salvador. And I traveled to El Salvador a few times myself and done some work with some schools down there. And so over the many years that I spent with this family, I had the privilege of working with Henry and all the way down to Nancy, which was the youngest and female child in the family. And about a year after Nancy graduated from this What's Your Plan program, I was teaching one day in a building next door and there were a bunch of helicopters outside. And I thought, wow, like, I hope everything's okay. There's a lot of helicopters out there today. And about an hour after I was finished teaching, my principal came down to get me to let me know that one of my students had been hit by the train. And that student was Nancy. And unfortunately she died that day. She had a pair of headphones on and she didn't see the train that was coming from behind her as she made a choice to walk for a few moments on the inside of the track and it clipped her from behind. And so that really threw this amazing young group of people and families that I had worked with for many years into a sense of huge trauma and loss and navigation, and they needed all these supports in order to bury their daughter. And one of the most troubling parts of that day, in addition to what had happened, was that mom and dad were still learning English themselves. So when they received the call from the local force that something had happened to one of their children, they were still learning English and no one on this course in that moment or in that short period of time spoke Spanish.
0: Right. So right. they could
1: put together that something had happened but they weren't sure what it was. So we found them up on the tracks for hours calling all their kids, trying to figure out who was there and what had gone on. And so from that, one of my jobs was to speak at Nancy's funeral. And so as I worked with the family and our team did over the coming weeks and our district worked with them, We planned everything that they needed at that time. And so when I went to speak at her funeral, I wrote this short poem and we called it Take Me Home. And it was an homage to Nancy's crossing into the US. And so I had that experience and I kept that poem out of my desk and I kept working with these awesome kids. And a few months later, I sent it out on a whim and thought maybe somebody out there could be benefited by part of this story. And so I sent it out to a bunch of publishers on that piece of paper. And about six months later, a publisher got back to me and they were like, hey, Andrea, we really like your poem, but we don't want you to write a poem. We want you to write a book. And we're going to give you about six months to do it. And (laughs) if you come back with something we like, we're going to take you on and publish it. And I started to think, David, well, I don't just want to tell her story. I want to tell all their stories because they're so different. And a lot of educators seem to make the assumption that the label of English language learners are all the same. yeah, And they're yeah, not. And yeah. so I took those six months and I went back and interviewed 11 of our former alumni who are now young bilingual professionals out working in the world. And I asked them to reflect on now that they were those young professional bilinguals out in the world, could you tell me what it was really like to become bilingual in the U.S.? And so from those conversations, we created Take Me Home. The true story of 11 of our former English language learners who give a firsthand account. So it's written through their eyes of what it's like to become bilingual here. And we weave Nancy's story through it. And it's it's written in English and it repeats in Spanish all in the same book.
0: And we're we're
1: really proud of it. It's been well received.
0: Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that that, that sure. story and um, uh, several points that you you just made uh, really resonate with me. I, I was a principal um, of a school in Northern California, which was about seventy percent uh, ELD students, and uh, this whole notion that um, you know we 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 typically in education we'll lump all of our EL students just together and uh, throw the same strategies and the same you know context around their education and and. and think of them all as the same, is, is doing them such a disservice. Uh, and I had students uh, like like you did who were, uh, you know, they were in one country on a Friday, and on Monday, they were in my school's office uh, registering for school. And they were coming from, uh, you know, uh, uh, mostly, I would say, you know, Latin America. But we had uh, students sort of coming from Asia. We, I, I, I remember this one uh, young man who uh, was from Vietnam, spoke zero English. Uh, his parents spoke zero English and they came with a translator to my school but then everyone left <laughs> and what what do we do and so these are real situations that uh that that schools deal with and um you know for myself as someone who doesn't speak another language, I'm English only and I understand some Spanish I, I could speak a tiny tiny bit um it puts me in a, in a tough situation as well because I want to communicate with these families. But I feel like I feel like I can't, and I know they're feeling the same thing on the other end. So, you know, if they're not everyone who speaks a different language is coming with the same background, the same story, if you will. Um, you know, the, the the journey of a a young girl maybe coming from Asia or India very different from say a girl the same age coming up from you know Central America, you know, with their families. It's a different story. It's a different uh, context around you know what they you know, what their life has been like. So I uh, really appreciate that.
1: And, you know, you're when you make that point, you know, that's what, exactly what I think as well. Like kids are coming with this backpack of different experiences. And, you know, some of our kids were formally educated in their countries and they were really, really strong. Sp- strong in their literacy skills in their first language. And that helps them acquire English at a much quicker rate than necessarily oh, yeah. a student who comes in with no formal education. Now we've got to teach them how to read, right? So, you know, that, that delineation yeah. between, and that's really always the strongest predictor and I think the best indicator of how well a student will be able to acquire English is what are your literacy skills in reading, writing, listening, yes. and speaking in your L1? Because if they are strong, wow, we've got to win. We have got to win here, you know? And and I think that that's really important to know that that lack of language at that time does not equal lack of intelligence.
0: Exactly, exactly. We often equate the two where a child can't answer a question in English uh, and we automatically go to that. Well, they must not know the answer. Right. They might, it just might be in a different language. And if if they had access to that question in their home language, maybe they could answer it, maybe not. We don't really right. know. And so we do often equate, you know, when they're taking a test, like, oh, you didn't do so well. Well, did you give them the test in Spanish? Did you give them a the test in Korean? Um,
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I can give you a perfect example of that. I had a first grader last week who uh, took the speech and hearing test in the nurse's office. And our nurses, you know, and us all work together because I'm a big believer that everybody in the building should know who your English language learners are because. of their interactions are going to be outside of the EL classroom. And so our nurse gave that test the first time in English while our students spoke Spanish. He failed the hearing test. So we had a great conversation. And I said, hey, let's do it again. And let's put the interpreter on the line. And you know what? He took that test again with the interpreter, giving him directions in Spanish as to what to do. He passed his hearing test. So just having that awareness of all the things they have to navigate outside of the EL classroom And that essentialness of everybody on the team has got to use these resources.
0: That is so important because we used to do that same kind of thing, but not with hearing tests, but with uh, glasses. Yeah, so we were able to get kids glasses who we were trying to figure out like they weren't being successful and we're trying to do everything we could. And then it wasn't me. I think it was one of my teachers was like, I don't know if they can see the words on the board or on the page. And we had someone, uh, we had a uh, an eye doctor come in who spoke Spanish, who could help this child. And absolutely, they could not see anything. But we, you know, again, every story is different. They're all yeah. different. They're coming with different things. All of a sudden, we put these glasses on this kid. Wow. I mean, they, they were able to, to do everything. Like, th- this was a really smart little girl. I do remember, I remember her face. I don't remember her name, but she was very smart, but for like the first few weeks, we were like, what's happening? Like, we don't know what to do. Like, we don't understand, but having those different people get involved and say, Hey, what about this? What about this? Um, so important and not just jump to conclusions of, well, maybe they just, they're not, they're not too bright. Um, yes, unfortunately, yes. we do that a lot.
1: We do. And I always say, you know, when you receive an English language learner in your school, don't feel cautious, get curious. Start to yeah. get curious and and ask a lot of questions and and I do a presentation about that around the country, but that's here you know important as well. But get curious and start to ask a lot of questions about that informal versus formal yeah. education about their country. Maybe they came from a state over. Maybe they came from down the street. Maybe they were just in a district next right. door. You know they can give right. you information. So there's so many ways to do it. But yes, that that's yeah, definitely no. a first good point.
0: asking. Asking questions so important. And and you brought up something again really important here. And I was just uh, I just wrote on this topic as well. Our long-term English language learners. Um, yes, which life is, kids. Yes, it is such an issue. Um, I remember again, same middle school. We were having we had students who were tagged with EL, uh, you know, in their files. And I'm looking up, you know, their history. I want to find out a little bit about them. They started in kindergarten at the school down the street. Mm-hmm. They were now sixth graders at my school. And I'm thinking, how, how are they still going through? So it's like, we need to change Absolutely. how we are working with these kids. Because something's I, not right when that happens.
1: Sure. And, and I think, too, it's important to remember, you know, acquiring a second language takes time. And Mm -hmm. it takes one to Mm -hmm. three years to acquire your social language. Some people will call it VIX, right? So your basic indicators, you know, of social skills. And and it's important for people to be aware that it takes that one to three years to acquire that language expressively and receptively to communicate. But more than that, your content language for an academic student who's an English language learner can take five to 10 years. And so, you Mm. know, while all those supports are in place and they will fade out over time, it. It's important to give them that navigation and their supports while they are acquiring the language. And it takes time.
0: Right, right. So what other what other questions would you ask, um, you know, an English language learner or their family uh, in order to get a better sense of just the bigger picture um, in their background?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of things you need to look at. You know, the first thing obviously is like something we discussed earlier, right? What was their formal education like? if they received one or not in their prior school or their prior country. Another one would be um, if they were serviced in the school before or the school next door or down the street, if you are a WIDA state, can you access their access scores, which is a state exam that's given once a year that assesses reading, writing, listening, and speaking skills. Another area to look at is language distance. And so when you have a student coming in speaking Mandarin or speaking Arabic, you know, those languages look very different and aren't as close to English as some of the romantic languages are, like French or Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, is the directionality of the language different? Do they use characters or, you know, or are there cognates available and the alphabetic principles are the same or similar? So, being aware of that distance is really important. You also want to make sure that you've talked to their parents to find out what their language preference is. Some of our parents prefer English. Some of them prefer, you know, French. Some of them prefer both. So you want to have that conversation with parents. And I encourage teachers or schools to send out an email and say to the parent, Hey, I noticed in our school information system that your student has been identified as becoming or being bilingual. I think that's amazing that you've decided to give them this gift. I'm wondering what your preference is for school communication. Would you prefer to have school communication in English, in Spanish, Mm -hmm. or in both? you know, thank you so much, sign your name, you know, and having that accessibility. I think it's important to make sure, as we mentioned earlier, that everybody in the building knows who your kids are. And so that's a question I always have. Do all of your teammates in your building know who your ELs are? And I mean, from your cafeteria team, to your maintenance team, to your office team, to your content teachers, to your administration, to your transportation team, everybody in the building needs to be able to provide a successful environment for these kids to have an anxiety level that is reduced so that they can communicate effectively and what supports they may need in place for that to happen. Um, I also ask if your schools have district bilingual staff lists. So, you know, you have a lot of amazing adults working in your buildings, building wide district wide county wide. Is there a list available? We just found out, for example, last week that one of our teaching assistants is fluent in Arabic. Well, that's fantastic we have some pre-k kids coming in that are all arabic speakers what a great mm-hmm. resource in the building you know yeah, and so yeah. you know but making everybody aware of that i think is essential um, you also want to look at i always say curriculum wise if you have a student coming in who is a, a newcomer or is a student that is literate in their first language have you checked with your curriculum directors to find out what side-by-side texts you can put with the english while they're learning the skills, and so that's a quick email. Yeah. There's so much online now that companies provide with bilingual, oh, translatable.
0: Absolutely.
1: Tax. Ask those questions, you know, and there are more beyond that, but they're just a few to start off. No,
0: with. those are great, and I, I think back to when I was sending out my newsletters uh once a month, and I did it was a one sheeter, front and back, English Spanish, and uh they did we didn't have all these translation tools back then uh i had my uh, community liaison translate my newsletter into spanish um but i remember this very very clearly as we were getting it out to everyone and putting in the backpacks thinking well how are my vietnamese kids going to read this at home how are that my korean kids my chinese kids um we actually also had a sizable portuguese population Uh, in san jose there's large Portuguese uh, family, you know, families that are there. So, you know, it was very much like we just, what's the most common language spoken here? Okay, English and Spanish. But now I love the, your your point about language preference at home. Like, what do you want us to send at home? And that's, you can Google that, you know, and just bam. And and so many of these translation tools have gotten so much better in recent years that uh, when I ask families about them, um, I always ask like, how close is it? Like, is it, is it pretty, pretty good? Or is it like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a child is speaking the back. And for the most part, people say, you know what, they're pretty good now. Like, you know, so love that, you know, asking what language, because that, that brings that family into the school. They, they understand that you are trying to communicate with them. You're trying to ask their preferences. And that means a lot to them because chances are they're, you know, they're intimidated by the school. You know, with everything coming home with English, and they want to make sure they their 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 child's in the best possible environment. And if they don't know what's going on, that can be very scary. But if they get something in Arabic that sent home, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I there is a communication path for me here, and that makes me feel better. Yes um, I, think I mean, it's so you, important. We,
1: I agree, and you know, we try to remember that you know, language access, as my friend Carly Spina says, is a right for all, not a privilege for some. Mm. And schools have the platforms to be able to provide languages in the parents prefer, and there, like you said, there are so many out there. Now we use Talking Points, which is yeah, a great text messaging service that's free mm. for schools. We use uh, some people call it talk or language based services. You know, 163 translators available live, 24 yes. hours a day, seven days a week. It's an yes. 800 number. Your mm-hmm. district can pay for that service. You go. I do it all the time. We, you know, we I used have to a have mom that too. show up in the office. Mm-hmm. You know, Mrs. So-and-so is in the office. She needs to speak with you today. I've got the Vietnamese translator on the phone as I'm walking down the hall, you know? Yes. And so, and that's another great point. You know, your, your front office is your main front line. I always say. Mm-hmm. Do they have that district list of the preferred languages of your family? So when a mom shows up and they see her coming in, they already know. They already mm-hmm. know what language she prefers, you know? There are other services out there um, that we use. Google Aloud has a great dubbing service. Uh, that districts tend yes, to like, does. Propio, Propio One is a fantastic service. Um, Legal Shield in, es, in Espanol, they say, which provides, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, live translators, documentation, immigration, mm-hmm. tax services. So we do a presentation on this around the country, but I love just mentioning a few of them because yeah. there is so much out there that schools can use to provide parents with that best platform to give you the mm-hmm. most information and If I can just add, you know, that's when people say to me, well, why should they speak, you know, why should, can't they just speak English, Andrea? People say, and like you mentioned, Hey, it's intimidating. You know, if you dropped me in a country where I had to speak tree, I would be really nervous about that, you know, because now I'm limited. I, we had talked about before when I would travel to Salvador, I knew enough Spanish to get by, but I had my 10 go-to sentences. And then beyond that, I would get nervous, you know, oh, yeah. but when people ask me that question, I say, well, it's our duty to allow parents to provide us with the most amount of communication possible about their children. They're the root to their children. Mm-hmm. And so we want to give them the best means to do that. So I encourage people to avoid grabbing a sibling or grabbing someone from down the hallway wow. or asking them to bring a neighbor. And that's because I don't believe that A, all parents want their children's siblings to hear about themselves or maybe their brother or sister. Or Mm -hmm. B, maybe they don't want their neighbors to be aware of something that's going on in the school with their child. Or maybe they have something about themselves they don't feel comfortable sharing with an audience that they're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. And so when you use resources that are objective, it allows parents to provide the most information. And I just think that's the win-win for everybody.
0: That is such an important point because I made that mistake as a school administrator in grabbing a sibling to come help translate. And it was funny because I, I, um, I was an assistant principal for one year before getting moved up. And I was a principal at the same school I was an AP at. And when I was an AP, my, my principal at the time was a veteran principal. She was amazing. And, uh, she was also bilingual English, Spanish. And, um, I would call her all the time. She moved to the district office and I'd be like, I need help. (laughs) Like, what do I do? And I made that mistake. I'm like, well, I, I, I had the, the, the brother come in and, you know, talk to the parent and she, I could tell like on the phone, she's like, I could see her face. Like, you know, like, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, and so, you know, it's okay for, you know, it's okay for us to make mistakes. We need Absolutely. to learn from those mistakes. Um, I, you know, and that's why I do what I do as well. It's like, I don't make the same mistake I did, but at the same time, like, and I think I says for my Spanish was, was limited, but I tried to speak it and the parents so appreciated it. And they laughed at me most of the time too, but we also had that moment where it's like, he's trying. So between my broken Spanish, their broken English, maybe we could meet together. Now that wouldn't work if they spoke Mandarin. Um, but we used the same things you did. We had the telephone service. I remember like dialing the 800 number saying, I need, I need Mandarin. And you know, I need a uh, Farsi. I, you know, um, whatever we can do to make families feel more comfortable and then bring in just like the whole community um, to, to yeah. support them and, 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 uh, welcome them because it's scary. Like I, I, I was able to travel to Japan, um, many, many years ago and I don't speak Japanese. Um, luckily in Japan, a lot of people do. <laughs> and, but we would go up to people and we'd ask like, where's this, where it's at. And I'd be showing them a picture in our book. And this is way before Google anything like, and, um, all, it, it, after like two minutes, they'd be like, "Do you want me just to walk you over there and show you where it is?" In perfect <laughs> English, and, I, and I'm like you're just messing with me. like, oh yeah, I went to college, and you know, I went to you know University of Virginia. You know, yeah. Like,
1: they just wanted to watch you sweat for a few minutes. That's all. And, <laughs> and
0: that's how so many of these families feel here in our schools. I mean, I had to do it for two minutes, and it terrified me. But Absolutely. like imagine dropping the most precious thing in your life off your child into a place where you, you can't speak the same language as anybody there. Your child may or may not be able to speak the same language. And what if you have a question? What if you have a concern? Who do you talk to? Sure. It's, and it's, it's so hard.
1: It's important to provide that, you know, that anxiety free opportunity for parents to do that. And
0: I yeah. also, you know, I
1: have a lot of parents that say to me, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I'm, that I'm speaking French to my child. And my English is not very good. And I look at them and I say back to that, no. I say, that's your love language for your child. That's the child you right. communicate best within. That's the, uh, you know, the language you can get the most information. Don't, you wouldn't want to model something you didn't feel comfortable speaking. That would be like asking me to model Arabic for my girls. Yeah. I'm not a good model for that. You know, so I speak to my girls in my love language, which is English. And so I always say to them, you're giving your child a gift. You're giving mm-hmm. your child a superpower. We've got the English. We can teach them the English. This is their chance at a free education. So you, you know, you keep doing that wonderful, amazing language that you or prefer at home and we will teach them the English at school and we will work together yeah. to get them where they need to be. And I think that that provides a sense of relief for a lot of people.
0: I think it does too. And then also get them to understand that it is a gift, you know, uh, again, you know, uh, working with a lot of families from Latin America who came here with nothing and, um, a lot of their kids struggled again, language barrier and just, you know, travel transiency and just trying to navigate their way in a new country. It's very hard. And, um, you know, when they'd end up in my office for a variety of different reasons, I'd have their parents come in and, um, you, that's the one thing I, I I made sure I conveyed to my students was you you have you can do something that I can't, yeah. speak two languages, and yeah. that is uh, uh, something that you can use forever. That I wish I could go back in time and pay more attention in my Spanish class, <laughs> but I that time's gone for me. You know, and so, uh, but for you, you are going to be bilingual for your entire life. And that is an amazing place to be. And, uh, you know, I hope that, you know, when these, the kids I worked with have their own families, they keep that going because that is, I mean, I look at my kids going, should have stuck you in a foreign language program, you know, earlier because <laughs> I, I mean, again, like it's such a gift. But sure. uh, no, this has been this has been a really, really, really great. Uh, and and so many of us work with English language learners and their families, you know, in yeah. this country. And uh, there's so much more that we can be doing here. So um if they want to, uh, if our listeners want to learn more about. Uh, you know, take me home the book or any PD, how can they get uh, How can they get in touch with you? And we'll, we'll make sure we put this in the notes of the podcast as well.
1: Oh, sure. Absolutely. So Take Me Home is our book. Um, and I've also been a part of two other books as well. Uh, Dr. Rick Jetter's 100 No-Nonsense Thing All School Leaders Should Stop Doing. I wrote a chapter for, And uh, Chip Baker's Influence of Impact, volume three. So I'm um, proud of that as well. And Take Me Home, um, is available on Target, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, via the publisher, Austin McCauley. Uh, we also launched our website, andreabittnerbooks.com. And you right. can follow us on all social media handles, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram, at Andrea Books. Um, and that's really our mission, you know, is to go out there and help educators learn how to teach, reach, and strengthen their connections with navigating the English language world, and how to access and support their families. And we go out and teach them real resources they can use tomorrow to do that. Um, we've been working with educators in conferences. I've been out to districts around the country. I've been to colleges and universities working with future teachers. So we're really proud of its mission, which is really to ask people to consider that when you meet someone learning a new language for the first time, to treat that time in that chapter in their life as an asset and not in handicap. And we are proud to help teachers feel more confident about how to do that when we meet with them all over.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. And and randomly, I also wrote a chapter in Rick Jeter's book as well. Um, I've written in two of his books. And uh, so that's funny. So uh, anyone who's out there, uh, we'll put these links in the in the podcast notes down there, but uh, yeah, you can get both of us at the same time. Uh, Fantastic! So, uh, well, Andrea, thank you so much for being here. This has uh, been a really learning lesson for me, and I, I know for our listeners as well. And um, uh, just really appreciate just all the work that you do.
1: Thank you. Same to you. Thank you, everyone out there, and for you, David, for giving me this opportunity. And I look forward to connecting with all of you again. Have a great weekend.
0: All righty. Thanks. Take care, everyone. we